You're listening to Reframed, the Power of Perspective podcast, and I'm your host, Carly Marquier. As both a Christian counselor and communicator, I want to equip you with the tools and truths that renew your mind and empower your soul. As we explore popular topics influencing our perspectives, I want to offer practical techniques for reframing unhealthy thinking patterns and provide step-by-step pathways for emotional and spiritual health. You know, this process of untangling our automatic thoughts and attitudes is not always easy, but thankfully God's word gives us instruction on how to reframe our thoughts, renew our minds, and redeem our perspectives in light of the gospel. It is this framework we will use to dispute discouragement, eliminate emotional reasoning, and empower our pursuit of abundant life. So are you ready? Let us explore our current perspectives, expose distortions we have come to believe, and grow deeper in our understanding of God's transforming power. Hey, and welcome back to Reframed. Today, I'm excited to be introducing a special guest on the podcast, my pastor and spiritual mentor, Brenton Lehman, who is the discipleship and teaching pastor at my home church gospel community here in Lynchburg, Virginia. Over the last year, I have been working with Brenton and the staff at Gospel as a ministry resident and learning so much about spiritual formation and discipleship. And I felt like it was only fitting that at the completion of my time in my ministry residency, I would bring Brenton in to talk about this topic that is near to both of our hearts in both therapy work and pastoral care. So Brenton, thank you so much for being with me today. I've loved to start off our time with just having you share a little bit more about your background, what led you into ministry, and why this topic of emotionally healthy spirituality is important to you both personally and professionally. Yeah, so uh, I grew up in the home of a pastor and a pastor's family in the church in mostly Southern culture, and um, that, of course, shapes how I view God, the church, my life, and um, God called me to ministry out of that space, so I had a a really healthy home, uh, a wonderful home life that made me want to continue that legacy, and God called me specifically to that work of serving in the church pretty much... I mean, as early as I can remember, it's what I've felt like I wanted to do. And, uh, yeah, just kind of affirmed that call over time. And it's that calling, it's taken shape. It's, it looks different now than it did, uh, initially. Mm. And, um, but I'm, I'm, it's the work I feel like I'm called to do. Awesome. So today's episode is entitled signs and symptoms of emotional unhealthy spirituality. And one of the biggest problems I have come to see in Christian culture and even in my work as a therapist and in time in ministry is the propensity to disconnect or even dismiss the presence of emotional distress or pain for the sake of maybe spiritual maturity. (laughs) Um, This emotional validation is often seen through what we call spiritual bypassing. So we'll be talking mostly about that today, but that definition is the tendency to use spiritual ideas and practices to sidestep or avoid facing unresolved emotions like anger, grief, fear, loneliness, envy, shame, psychological wounds, and unfinished developmental tasks. That's a mouthful, um, but do you have any other definitions to that or any insights to this idea of spiritual bypassing and its effects? Uh, Well, so... I guess the way that it shows up the most in my in my life and in my relationships is using sort of spiritual concepts or, or whatever, even cliches or or things that might be true to avoid doing the work of feeling something difficult or having a difficult conversation. So just using some sort of medication, <laughs> spiritual medication to avoid difficult things. 
in, in bypassing the hard stuff. I liken it to kind of weaponizing scripture for the sake of Mm -hmm. being seen as spiritual or being seen that we are okay. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's why I think it's so important to be digging deeper, looking back to scripture for really the context of what these passages are saying, and then evaluating our emotional health in light of the gospel. Like how do we, like I've been saying through all of these episodes of the series, how do we steward our emotions well in light of the gospel? So let's jump into the four different signs and symptoms that I see probably the most, maybe you do too, in your work, and outline these together. So the first one is denial and repression of feelings. And I put an example down that I hear often, or maybe I've even used in my own life, which is, I'm not lonely, I have Jesus. Mm. Um, And this one obviously negates the emotion of loneliness and what that means for us as human beings. What does it mean to be lonely? And does Jesus just take away our loneliness? Mm. Is that truly uh, a truth of scripture? Yeah, I think um, one that I hear all the time is, and again, what makes these things so confusing at times, and maybe we don't even realize we're we're engaging in spiritual bypassing and doing harm to ourselves, mm-hmm. shortchanging our growth, is because these are true things. Yeah. Like it, it is true that you're not lonely; you have Jesus. But maybe the you're not alone, but that's not the same as not feeling lonely. Right. And exactly. so, one thing I see all of the time um, is a tendency to to use that that. The good news, Second Corinthians five, that I'm a new creation. My past doesn't define me. Um, I, you know, I don't have to. Re- why, why do I need to revisit my past or confront my past or think about how my past informs now? Because I'm a new creation. I don't need to go back to have a healthy future. Uh, I'm, I'm a new creation, right. and <laughs> and that's avoiding the truth about how our stories mm. inform even how we perceive what we think a new creation is supposed to be. Yeah. Our, our stories inform how we read the Bible and how we interpret them and not telling the truth about that actually like it, it severs us from experiencing that new creation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see that a lot too with clients who are older, you know, where it, there's this, why would I go back and judge up the past? You know, what's the purpose of experiencing that pain maybe all over again? And what we see and what I've seen through scripture in my own work and digging up pain and processing it is that we see Jesus differently. Maybe even strip away the image or distortions of God that we had because of that pain mm. by going back into it. So there's a, mm. a purpose. And I think a lot of times my clients will be like, why? Like, why? What is the purpose? What is the purpose of feeling my pain? Uh, a lot of people don't want to do that. And that's why we do repress feelings. It's a coping skill. What is the purpose of feeling our pain? It's to know to make meaning of that pain, maybe in light of scripture, not taking scripture and saying, my pain doesn't matter, but my pain is informed by the truth of hope in scripture. So do we have biblical examples of people confronting and taking ownership of their past Mm -hmm. in order to experience renewal for the future? Like, yes, yes, and that's that's what we call revival. Like, that happens all the time to the whole community of, of God's people. But specifically, Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah recognizes that his people are in pain, that his nation is in shambles, mm. and it breaks his heart. And so the first thing he does is come to God, and he tells the truth about his his own story and the story of his, those who've come before him. 
things that he didn't even do, he takes responsibility for. Uh, and he acknowledges that brokenness, that story that's brought them to where they are. And that's the beginning of transformation and renewal in the whole community. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a necessary part of the process. Sometimes we can get stuck there. Maybe we're afraid of getting stuck there in the pain because it was painful. But if we don't at least tell the truth about it, uh, then there's no healing, then there's no transformation. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what spiritual bypassing kind of severs. It severs the ability to actually experience transformation Mm -hmm. and redemption uh, that's found, especially for followers of Jesus, like this is our whole story. This is, this is the story we've inherited. Yeah, I love that. And I think that I see the the denial of feelings specifically with just, I don't want to talk about it or that didn't happen to me as a way of hiding the shame or the feelings of maybe this was my fault. When we speak it out, whether it be our own sin or trauma done to us, pain towards us, we make it real. So that's the that's the hard part. Mm. Um, but when we make it real, I, I believe we find freedom. And I've seen that in my own life. I've seen that in my clients' lives. Like when we speak it out, when we stop repressing the feeling or denying it's there and we say it out loud, Satan doesn't have a hold anymore mm-hmm. of that storyline, of that script that we were playing, that shame script or that um, pain point of nobody loves me because this happened in my life. Mm. Rather, no, I am loved and this doesn't define me. This portion of my life and saying that out loud and hearing it, you know, in community can be freeing. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening, who should call right now? Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So after denial and repression of feelings, we also have another symptom or sign, which is dismissing other people's feelings. <laughs> um, and we probably all, those of you listening, probably have experienced this in some context. I remember being uh, at Liberty University in undergrad, and I was having a really bad day. It was just a bad morning to be in Convo. And I was you know, going to this big worship service that we had every Wednesday, and um, the guy behind me in my brother dorm was like, Carly, why are you, why do you look upset? Just count it all joy. And he like tapped me on the back. And I was so annoyed because I knew, like I knew in his heart, he was just trying to encourage me. But the last thing that I wanted to hear was to count it all joy. And it almost felt in receiving that message that he was shaming me into, you shouldn't be sad or you shouldn't be upset if you are a Christian. Like you can always find something to count it all joy about. Uh, well, I think about, you know, that's, that's James writing to people who are really suffering. And Mm. if we read the rest of the book, James doesn't dismiss that pain by saying, count it all joy. 
He's saying that when you experience suffering, throw a party because you know that God's doing something new in you. He's birthing something new. So you actually have to go deeper into that journey, Mm. deeper into the process. You have to feel the pain, tell the truth about it, and let it do the work that it's going to do in order to birth something new. And and I think this this is where spiritual bypassing actually does like an unholy violence to us. It is lying. It is not telling the truth, but it is using the truth of scripture to tell and sustain lies. And it, it robs the promises of God from all of their power. It just makes them sentimental. Count it all joy. Like there's a promise set in that, but it just sentimentalizes it. And it means nothing to you now who you really actually maybe need to hear count it all joy. Maybe you really need that but you can't access it because it bypasses the real stuff behind it. And then it just severs relationships. We can't, if I can't access my own pain and experience my own healing, if I'm bypassing all of that hard stuff in me, I'm not going to be able to have compassion for you. And I'm just going to make you feel more alone, more misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And that's just going to trap you more in your pain. So it just does a violence. It's not loving. It just creates... It's the enemy of what we really want. We want it to be easy. We want comfort. We want to not feel the pain. But all that it really does is make us feel more and more isolated and transfer that pain from one place to another. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't work when we dismiss others' emotions. Well, it, it seems almost like a domino effect is what you kind of described. It's like as I deny and repress my own feelings that are distressing or I feel like they're not holy, etc. However we're framing that, it then encourages and almost propitiates this dismissing of other people's feelings because I can't feel my pain. It's also not okay for other people to express maybe quote unquote bad emotions, um, distressing emotions, emotions that are not maybe, I think people really truly believe this, like are not pleasing to God. Mm. Uh, And that, that breaks my heart because I feel like I see throughout scripture in specifically, I, I align so much with Hannah's story where she just cries out to God in pain and in distress and, and people think she's you know, drunk because she's so in so much distress and she's just honest with her emotions before God mm. and how God meets her in that moment um, and sustains her. And so I think there's something to be said about how these kind of trickle. It starts with us, right? And, that, and our own work with our emotional stewardship. And then it can, like you said, be quite painful for other people around us if we're not careful. And I appreciate how you, you know, reframed because that's, that's what you're doing. How you reframed <laughs> yeah. even sometimes people choose to bypass their own emotions or others because they don't want to do the work. But sometimes it's not a choice because of uh, I, I don't want discomfort. It really mm-hmm. is uh, a fear that I might be, you know, sinning somehow to yeah. truly feel this feeling, to truly go to this place or to truly ignore. Like I might make it worse for someone else if I sit within their pain and I don't want them to like be depressed or like be unable to move or, or whatever from this pain. Sometimes mm-hmm. it is not, it's not always laziness. Sometimes it is maybe even trauma or something else. For sure. So having compassion is important. Um, it, it just, it also, it, it, it's, it's a slow work, but it's necessary if we actually want to know and feel what community is supposed to be like. Yeah. And if we dismiss others' emotions, there's just going to be a boundary Mm. to intimacy. That's so true. And I think I have a hard time with that, even personally. Uh, Being the helper personality that I am, I often will dismiss my emotions and be there for other people's emotions. 
but in times where I've come to friends or talked to them and shared with them, they have done the opposite of dismissing emotions, but they've said, no, 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 I am to carry your burden with you. Like, let me carry your burden with you. And I think that's such a beautiful thing to be able to practice as believers, to be able to step into other people's emotions, not taking responsibility for them. It's not my job to fix you. It's my job Mm -hmm. to be in it with you and walk with you Mm -hmm. as you seek healing. Uh, I think that's something beautiful that the church collectively can practice more. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sure. Um, So in addition to these two, we have focusing only on the positive met anyone that just is always happy everything is always great um i think the scripture that comes to mind when i think of the sign and symptom of this type of spiritual bypassing it's all things work together for good you know we have a really hard time or we lose a job or something traumatic happens and someone says don't worry it'll all work together for good um i i have a really challenging time with this and i'm not i wouldn't say i'm a pessimistic person but I like to call myself a realist. And so how do we look at this scripture that it's true, right? That God does work all things together for good, but how do we also not negate the negatives? Hmm. Well, I mean, I think realizing that this would have felt like really good news to the people who read it at first. Mm -hmm. So Paul knew what he was saying when he wrote, you know, God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. That would have felt like a warm blanket, a you know, cold glass of water on a really hot day. So if we're saying those promises as really, just really good news in a way that is not good news to somebody, <laughs> then maybe, maybe we're, we're missing the, what gives it weight. What makes it, what makes this true is not that it it relieves us from all of our bad feelings or right. that, it, that it necessarily even changes mm-hmm. our circumstances now. But like you said at the beginning, somehow this is going to give this truth is good news because it will give purpose to everything you're experiencing. And to do that in a way that is actually good news to say that for this to be good news, it has to be anchored in the truth, which is the way that person is feeling where they're at. Right. And there is negative that gives reason for that positive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is a, yeah, it's counterbalanced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like to call it uh, the coexisting of emotions. This idea mm-hmm. that we can hold space for both pain and joy, hope and hurt. And to be able to do that is such a balance because we have to acknowledge one, our pain, but then we also have to be able to hold space for this perspective of hope that comes from the gospel. And that, sometimes feels really hard to do. And I look back to David's words in scripture often and see how he was just tormented sometimes by pain and confusion and how in, in light of, of his circumstances, he didn't feel or see God. It doesn't mean God didn't exist, but the disconnection there, disorientation disconnects us from feeling God's presence. And so we can hold hope for a feeling that maybe we don't even experience, but that doesn't negate the fact that we're in a moment of disorientation where we're going to just maybe feel clouds and darkness. Yeah. Yeah. I think of Psalm 13 is a great example. It's short and it starts with David feeling like he's alone. He's been forgotten. And then it ends with him saying, I will sing to the Lord because he's Mm -hmm. been good to me. Those two things can both be true at once. And if it's just, I will sing to the Lord because he's been good to me and I'm going to ignore how I actually feel. And it's not really true. Um, yeah. it's, it, I don't, it's not, it's only part of the story. 
Yeah, and when we're only acknowledging, like, God has been good, but something would have to happen before that for God to be good, for us to mm-hmm. know that God is being good to us, right? We have to also identify where that need was met. Yeah. Um, and I think we miss that. Yeah, Brene Brown talks about the, the every, every affect, every feeling has, you know, two sides, two sides of a coin. Mm-hmm. And the more we numb the bad affects, the bad feelings, the less we're able to experience the good ones. Yeah. So hope uh, deferred makes the heart sick. Um, but to know deferred hope, to name it, to, to feel it, then brings a, a, a more significant gravity when mm-hmm. hope is not deferred. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's to numb the bad limits our ability to experience the good, even in emotions. All right, let's do the fourth one here. We have overuse of spiritual statements as the solution to distress. Um, and these all kind of bleed into each other, but I think the one that I see often is something in light of a catastrophe or something challenging in life and using, like, God is faithful in this and everything happens for a reason. This is so hard to say to someone in light of loss or grief or circumstances outside of their control. And so how do we see that the hope of heaven, obviously everything happens in God's sovereignty. And that's a whole nother conversation maybe for another day, (laughs) um, because we could talk about that forever, but understanding God's sovereignty and also not minimizing, um, our, the impact of distress, the impact of crisis in our lives. How do we hold, how do we hold both of those Maybe even for others more significant or something. Well, I think maybe the, the most powerful example of this in my own life is grief. Yeah. It, it is, grief is one of the most common hu- human experiences that also feels isolating. It, every grief is so unique. Every loss, you know, I, I recently lost my mother. I'm the only one who will ever lose that woman as my mother. No one else will ever have that experience. Mm-hmm. And that can feel isolating, but that grief in, in its, in its isolation and the way that it makes me feel like I'm alone, there are so many other people who can relate to that feeling, that Mm -hmm. feeling of feeling alone in your pain. And it's one thing for someone to come and tell me everything happens to it for a reason. It's another for someone to come to me and say that this grief can be a gift. And this has been my experience through this. This is how I've walked through this. And it, it's, it really is a massive difference. Um, how this pain can be a gift versus this will be fine. Right. You know, you're fine. <laughs> That's the difference. You don't have to feel the way you're feeling because yeah. in the future, one day it'll be better so rather than the way you're feeling right now is actually really, really important. Mm. And if you stick with it, if you walk through this, then this grief can be a gift. Those are two very different approaches, mm-hmm. but the same words can be used right. for, with a totally different intention. I have definitely experienced that even in certain worship songs where it's saying like, uh, you know, this is going to be used for a testimony someday, or this is Mm. going to be the way that God is glorified in my life. And that sometimes doesn't feel great in the moment. Um, and in, in some ways I think maybe even my own life. And I see this in, in my work too, within therapy that what, what does it mean if I actually acknowledge the fact that I'm discontent before God? Like, how does, how does that impact maybe my relationship with God? And 
I just have to have a solution for my distress rather than acknowledging like, no, this dissatisfaction in God actually leads me deeper to God. Mm. And when I think back to certain scriptures that I used in application to my own process, it's this challenge of, I want grace. Like I want grace or I want mercy or I'm begging God for these things in my own life and my own process or for my clients. And, and then I'm realizing that I just want, I just want it fixed. I want mm. maybe even the healing of heaven that might not come on earth. And so being able to understand grace as the empowerment to stay within a process mm-hmm. rather than to just have it be resolved. That's it. And so scripture is not a salve that heals us immediately, but it's something that we petition over and over to God, that repetitiveness that brings transformation maybe in our own hearts more than our circumstances around us. Well, I wonder if, if spiritual bypassing is like Novocaine. It numbs it numbs for a while, but eventually when it wears off, the, mm. the pain is still there. So if, if the work wasn't done, um, then the wound is still there, the bone is still broken. And to simply try to avoid the distress or, or resolve the stress or, or, or alleviate the bad feelings or the tension in a relationship by kind of slapping a spiritual, you know, cliche over it. When that goes away, when that numbing sensation goes away, if the healing work wasn't done, then you're still, there's still brokenness. It didn't mm-hmm. really solve anything. It doesn't, it doesn't go deeper than the surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so looking at all of these different signs and symptoms, and maybe for those of you listening, you are able to acknowledge like, yeah, I've, I've done this. I mean, I know I can align with many of these um, symptoms in different stages and seasons of my life. But what I want to also acknowledge is the emotional impact of this um, spiritual bypassing, right? We see anxiety and depression, emotional confusion, a lot of shame, and even a stunted spiritual growth. You know, we can't move forward and deepen in a relationship with God without understanding who God is in light of pain and suffering. And so as we kind of conclude our, this discussion, I want to end on this next step. You know, what does it mean um, for us to live in a healthier way and steward our emotions well when it comes to our spirituality and our spiritual formation and discipleship? So Dallas Willard talks about this a lot, and he links spiritual and emotional maturity, that they're really not two different things. You Mm. really can't be spiritually mature and emotionally immature. And this is why we have, um, you know, PhDs in theology who have uh, the emotional maturity of an eight-year-old. And my (laughs) eight-year-old daughter might be more mature than some PhDs in theology that I know. And therefore, they're not really spiritually mature. I mean, that, that spiritual maturity and emotional maturity are linked together. Mm. And you trapped in unprocessed pain, you can have the whole book of Genesis memorized and still snap at your kids at the simplest thing or still lose it on your neighbor at the slightest inconvenience. And that actually robs our ability to have a, a credible witness to the world. Hmm. Um, like people just, just don't believe us when we tell us that yeah. Jesus is good, Jesus is alive, Jesus is with me. You can have it. The gospel is good news. It, it might be good news, but why are you such a jerk? You know, <laughs> like why? Why does this not seem to have any effect on your life? And, and so I think yeah. if we can recognize that that these feelings that maybe we've been trained our whole life to not have, or maybe have been told that they're bad or feel that they're bad, and I'm thinking specifically not to 
or, you know, not to create a caricature, but I'm thinking specifically of older men. If older men could recognize uh, and embrace emotions as a gift, the feelings, especially feelings of pain, anxiety, depression, whatever it might be, um, even anger, which is not, there's always something behind anger, but even that, those feelings as a gift that are supposed to be a window, an invitation to a genuine need that they have, that we have, Mm -hmm. and acknowledge the feeling, let that feeling take us into the need, and learn how to go to Jesus with that need, learn how to go to others with that need, and watch God provide for our needs. Then we actually have testimonies time and time again, not of avoiding pain, not of of a disembodied spiritual, not of a disembodied spirituality that says God will cause all things to work together for good for you, but rather stories to tell. This is how God worked all things together for me. There was pain. There still is pain. God is still good. And this is my story. And this is how these feelings have been a window into my own needs. And God has met those needs. And that's, Mm -hmm. that can be a gift. And especially for older men, not just, not just that, of course, it's a human being thing, but especially for older men, I think that could be really freeing and transformative, even for the next generation. Yeah, absolutely. And the two main components of what you just said are these next steps for us as we kind of process this and maybe want to practice emotional, healthy spirituality. The first step is not avoiding or labeling emotions, right, as good or bad. I, I oftentimes will ask my clients to, uh, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of emotions? Go. And, and the first thing is like, bad. Like, no, just don't have bad emotions, you know? And it's such a funny thing because when we label bad or good, we automatically shut ourselves off to acknowledging that emotion is valid. And so understanding, going back to that idea of balance, holding both, not overemphasizing emotions because we all know that we yeah. can just live our lives on high of I'm feeling this, so that means God's telling me this, or I'm feeling this, and that, you know, we can't be ruled by our emotions. We see that very clearly in Scripture, but finding that God speaks to us through both distress and delight hmm. is so important. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm a Dallas Willard junkie, so he, <laughs> he talks about um, emotional and spiritual health. There's emotions, feelings, and desires. Those three things, if we live our life by them, uh, we'll lose. I mean, it will hurt. It will cause pain. If we if we follow every impulse, if we mm-hmm. satiate every desire, if we trust every feeling or emotion, then obviously, I mean, maybe not obviously, but he will say obviously that will not work out well. But we also don't have within ourselves just the sheer willpower to overcome those all the time. That doesn't work either. Trying to control yeah. our emotions uh, with our own will, that doesn't work either. And it seems like maybe we're stuck with these two options. Either feelings are bad and can't be trusted or they are in the driver's seat. And so what is, what's the alternative? Well, if it's not on, if if feelings can't be in the driver's seat, but also they can't be avoided, then then where's the third way? So from a clinical perspective, I have an answer, but do you have... I'm asking you. Oh, you are. Okay, okay. So, I mean, that's where, like, we even look at the brain and we see how there's two sides of the brain for a reason. There's a logic side and an emotional side. And so 
there's so much to be held within the space of balancing both reason and logic. And I, I would even say like the theological, we know something, we acknowledge something, we have faith in something logically, but then we also feel something. And so I believe it's very much a practice of holding that space, that coexistence. Going back to my whole theme of Reframe podcast is being able to take every thought captive to obey Christ. And so an integrative perspective to this would be a practice of acknowledging my emotions, turning it inward, right? Asking, wondering what is causing this, asking for wisdom, and then waiting on God to reveal himself in that, in, in, in that practice of constantly bringing everything back in line with scripture one, but also acknowledging it as this is my limitedness as a human. <laughs> I will maybe not always understand. My emotions may always, for the rest of my life, be contrary to what I feel, but that's where faith comes in, right? Where the faith that I desire, that I pray for this generation, is that we can look at life and our reality can scream so many things contrary. Feelings, people will say one thing, but our mm. faith says another. And we hold fast to that, not negating the feeling, but holding the tension of, I don't feel that way. And I maybe don't see it that way, but God's word stands firm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think too, there's like the Psalms are full of really good examples of this. You you don't, it's not, there isn't a dichotomy. Sometimes we get trapped in this dichotomy. I either have to follow my feelings or avoid them altogether. No, no, just feel your feelings. You got to feel like... (laughs) Feeling them doesn't mean you're being governed by them. Right. To feel your feet, and the Psalms are full of yeah. people feeling their feelings. I feel alone. I feel anxious. Like my anxieties are multiplying within me. These are Psalms. This is in the Bible. Yeah, and they're feeling them with God. They're feeling <laughs> these feelings with God and learning the heart and mind of God in His presence. That I mean, there are tons of practices associated with this, but but actually acknowledging, like doing an emotional check-in on a daily basis. This is what I'm feeling right now. Not in my life in general, right now in this exact moment. Mm -hmm. This is the way I feel right now. Why? What is this? And just doing that in conversation with God is, this is learning the mind of Christ because Mm -hmm. God will meet us in that place. If 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 you're a follower of Jesus, you believe he will meet you in that place. That every invitation to prayer Every 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 time we decide to pray, it's always a, an RSVP to an invitation that God extends. He's mm. initiated that conversation. He's the perpetual initiator. If we say yes and we're willing to feel our feelings, to name them, acknowledge them in prayer, then He'll meet us in that place and over time transform us. So you don't have to be driven by them or avoid them. Yeah. Feel them yeah. with God. And if sometimes we get stuck. Maybe a good therapist can be helpful as well. Feeling with your therapist. (laughs) Yeah, processing those emotions. I think that's such an important note to be able to acknowledge that feeling something or validating an actual feeling like, I feel this, doesn't mean we even maybe agree with it, Mm. right? Even with other people. Like, you can feel all the feelings you want to feel. It doesn't, I don't have to agree with it. I don't have to support it. um, But I can acknowledge it for what it is and then turn, like you said, to this question of what need is this? prompting for me what is this what is this feeling reflecting it's always deeper than just the initial feeling Mm -hmm. so thank you so much brenton for joining me today um i really appreciate this conversation and and i hope that those of you listening um, have been encouraged i want to end with a quote from allison cook she wrote an article on relevant magazine about spiritual bypassing she says getting to the heart of vulnerability is holy ground 
Jesus is never closer than when you get really honest with yourself about what you're really feeling. You can't heal what you don't acknowledge and you can't transform what you've pretended doesn't exist. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Reframe, the Power Perspective podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please subscribe and drop a comment. To access more content and to join my monthly email list for the latest episode info, visit my website at carlymarkhullier.com. Reframed, the Power of Perspective is a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed Carly's episode today, we would love it if you left the show a rating and review in your favorite podcast app. It really does help more people like you find the show. This podcast was produced by me, Kelly Givens, and Steven Sanders, with executive oversight by Stephen McGarvey. To find more faith-filled, encouraging podcasts like this one, just head over to lifeaudio.com. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.